just so people know, like just because you play Metroid on Twitch doesn't mean you get a job at Postlight. It's important actually, to- I don't know. That's that's about <laughs> I, how I, I would that- hire. <laughs> 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 I mean, I'd be like, you're in. Richard, Paul, do I have a fun fact for you? Oh, what's your fun fact? Do you know who coined the phrase content strategy? I do. Who, Paul? There's been research Just into this. Just answer the question. I'm sure other people used it before me, but apparently I was very early. You are the world's first content strategist. I may have been the first person to have a website, which is like, I'm a content strategist for hire. The reason I know this, I didn't know this because I I came up with it. Mm-hmm. I, Rachel Lovinger, our friend over at Razorfish, uh-huh. researched the term and was like, I think it might be you. As the origin. Yeah. And here's the irony, And it's though. annoying. It's annoying when I do things. So that was annoying. Well, it, it is. That's yeah. true. Uh, there's just this deep-seated bitterness and envy that I deal with every day sure. working with you. Yeah, but here's the irony. You don't have a clue what it means. Well, okay. Actually, I do because I've done, in the meantime, I did content strategy engagements, but that's not, we're going to talk about all of this. Well, we're we have an expert down. in the room Thank with God. us today. Thank God we finally who's have Who's going to actually define the word properly and take it out of your hands as a pioneer here. What's her name? Chapel Ellison. There we go. I was wondering if you would do Edison because I did that for a while, but it's Chapel Ellison. Which sounds flattering. Yeah, yeah. Well, get the disclaimer out of the way, Paul. What's that? Chapel is a Employee. associate director, digital strategy at Postlight. You check us out at postlight.com. I just did Chappell, a line have you gone into this. the HR system and noticed there's like a flashcard system that helps you learn all the names and titles? I have seen that, yes. It's pretty exciting. Yes, it's definitely exciting to be here. This was a, this is the, no, this you is the long bail. con. This is the long con. I actually just wanted to get on this podcast, so I figured the best way to do that was to get employed. Oh, absolutely, uprooting your career and rebuilding all your relationships just in order for this. This it. Peak credit experience. score takes a hit, yeah. but she's on the podcast. Of course, every second of it. There you go. All right, I'm kidding. I'm Chapel, kidding. welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. So you are a content strategist. I'll go ahead and say it so you don't have to say anything awkward, which is you were at a company called Huge for a long, long time. Yes. You also teach at the School of Visual Arts, just like I used to be. Well, I bailed, but you did not bail. And you're also a Twitch live streamer. I kind of want to get into that uh, okay. at a certain point. But okay. so you come to us, Huge, actually a very well-known practitioner of content strategy. We do quite a bit too, actually for the MTA, MailChimp, places like that. Tell us what a content strategist is and does. I was told y'all were going to give me softball questions. Oh my God. There's a moment in the discipline when people start defining the discipline that makes you <sighs> want to throw everything out the window. Have you been in those meetings where you're like, yes. what is a content? Oh. Yeah. And this is actually, I think the curse of a content strategist is we're constantly having to define ourselves and that's okay. I don't mind, but I will, I will take a swing at what content strategy is or what I've come to see it as. Content strategy is the ordering, optimizing, and maintenance of anything you might upload, download, store, display in a digital experience. You know what happens is people are like, hey, that's a nice looking design. Thanks for making that design. Now let's put all those little boxes up on the website. Oh, that's good. Website Mm -hmm. looks good. 
all done, except it isn't because people keep publishing. Yes. They yes. keep doing all kinds of things. They have to make art. They have to put the art somewhere. And then over time, oh, my God, people get into pickles. It is a lot because I look at, you know, your website <laughs> – it's like buying a house with a three-car garage. You only have maybe one car at the time. And then you don't get a, two more cars, so you just start filling those bays with things, right. you know, like bikes and all that. And then one day you get to the point where it's panic mode because your house is so full of stuff. It's also like website, what is that, right? Because then you're sure. going to have your apps and you have to have it make it. It has to work on, on Google Home. Google has to be able to say the things. I guess I look at it as in terms of the digital experience, there are kind of three pillars of what makes it up. And one is uh, one is design, one is the infrastructure, and then one is content. Right. And so you have the infrastructure has always been owned by engineering. The design is owned by product design. Well, then who owns the content? And I mean, that is well, traditionally part of a post light, we just said product, I guess. Yes, right? I guess. But, and that's what happens is typically engineering or product, they kind of take on that burden of content when a content strategist isn't around. I would not necessarily recommend that, though I will say I know many of product folks and engineering folks who are great with content. It's not to say you it can't be done, but... I do believe there is value in having a person whose specific purview is looking after your stuff. I want to ask a different question, come at it in a different direction, but it's worth noting that if you need just that one web page that just has an explanation about something that never needs to change over many years, you don't really need a strategy for that. You're just putting yes. up a notice. Well, they so made that technology. That's called PDF. Or PDF, <laughs> yes, that right? will work. The downloadable, like, yes, here it is. Government right. organizations love to sum it up into a report, put it in a PDF. Right. It's digital now. They did their job. Right. Let me ask it a different way. You know, getting inside the head of the business buyer, I don't think I've met an executive who says, boy, I could use some content strategy. Yeah, it's one of those disciplines, too. <laughs> what is the state of things well, no, and, and, such that it's like, you know what you need? You need content strategy to get you out of this hole. What's happened? Before you answer that, right, the way we end up doing a lot is like the product requirements, just all these things start to shake out. I had a manager, a former manager and mentor, who talked about content in terms of asset versus liability. So your content really should be your greatest asset. As a business, it's the thing people are coming to you for. Here's what we offer. It's what you have that really sets you apart. And of course, design plays a role in that as well and how it's served to you. But your content is so, it's it's yours and it's important. And so what happens by the time a client has come to me, they have realized either consciously or subconsciously that their content has now shifted into the liability space. And mm. that is where a content strategist comes in and needs to help you kind of knock it back out of the, that side of the spectrum back over to asset. And so that can come out in many forms, right? Because I will say there are really only two client problems when it comes to content strategy. Is everyone ready? Get on the mic. Get in there. Okay. Get in there. Yeah. Stay with me. This is a tough one. Okay. The two problems that clients have when it comes to content is one, too much of it, and two, not enough of it. Oh, let's just end the, the podcast. Have right a great here. week, everybody. I have a, everybody. Good night. Good night. So how does this start to manifest, right? 
The second one's easier. You don't have enough content. Get going. Right? Let's get some content in here. I mean, so what does that look like? That means maybe you're launching a little software as a service. You mm. know, you're really excited about it. Got my funnel. Got your funnel. And then, oh, no, we have nothing on our site that speaks to the developers that need to work with us and huh. make this uh, a piece of software that travels. So you might start to look at a content strategist to help you figure out what you need to say to these people, where you need to say it, and how often you need to say it. All right. And they create that plan for you, and boom. What is that plan, actually? Because I think this is one of those disciplines where it can be very deliverable proof. Yep. So how do you give people things that they can actually act on? You know, first we have to see what kind of resources they have. Do they have anyone to make the content? This is the problem. Everybody wants content, but no one wants to make it. It's right. hard to do. And let's actually, what's content in this context? In this, in this, we're the going all the way the down to the, the turtles <laughs> on the back of the elephant when this is done. <laughs> so, in this case, let's say in this hypothetical, let's say that what you've determined, we look at everything, we assess the client's problem, we need to reach these developers. So we decide, you know what, you need documentation. You need a really great documentation experience that helps developers understand how to build with this platform. Right, so it's the stuff. It's the, the it's words, the, the pictures, the podcast, the stuff. It's all the stuff, you know, and that's the thing, you know, that's why we refer to it as content is because it's so broad. Yes, content is assets like images and song files, but it also can be a, a chatbot line. It can be a piece of code that you download from a, uh, something after you put in your zip code. Three-minute video. One of the fundamental things that is very hard to communicate in a platform development context, and th- this will sound absolutely bananas, but it's that good stuff is better than bad stuff. For real, like people are like, well, we just got to put something in the box. It's like, if it's good, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, if it's good, they will read it and then they will do things because you told them about it. Well, I, th- yeah. I think one of the things that's happened over the last... I'm going to say 10 years, which I probably mean longer than that, is that brands that would never view themselves as quasi-media entities are finding themselves not just needing to put together the usual marketing brochure, but they actually had to create stories and pictures and narratives over time again and again to engage people. Sure. Like Airbnb has a magazine. And right? across multiple surfaces. I mean, this is yeah. the future of content strategy and why I do feel this discipline will become more important is because the future is distributed everything. I was on an airplane once. And I saw that you could like log into like the Wall Street Journal on the headset in the back of the, the TV in the back of the headset, right? Yeah. And how do we possibly build content and plan for distribution in such a scale. You can log into anything. You can log into your toaster. You can log into anything and content has to be served up to you. And right now, the way we're doing it is very retrogressive. We're having to build the content individually for each platform. About as good as we've gotten is like, we've made the responsive thing. We can make the sites respond. But it. I remember early days of my career, there was a big thing where it was like, we're going to make eight-page versions of newspapers that they slide under the door in the morning. 
So you'll the, be anywhere in the world. What year is this? 18, 1845. 18. It's my telegraph. <laughs> I'm a shape-shifting wizard, and uh, <laughs> this is why I love this business. This explains so much. Exactly. No, the um, and, and so that sounds comical now. Like, you know, there all this time and energy to slide some pieces of paper under your... Because, you know, let's say you're in Madrid, but you want the New York Times. Here's your eight-page version. Yeah. Like, faxed to you, yep. you know, essentially. And that sounds comic, but it's like everything we're doing now will sound that ridiculous in about five or six years. Yes, if you want to look for an example of something gone horribly wrong because of lack of content strategy, we are at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. Mm-hmm. There is a digital display in the elevator. Yes. Oh. When you're coming into the building. Oh, I noticed it this morning. <laughs> and I think what it's doing is this. I think two thirds of the screen is is just like CNN or Fox. Or Usually whatever. Fox News these days. Yeah. And then the bottom third is clearly pulling in like an RSS feed. It's an RSS feed, often from the Times business section. Often from the Times business But section. they don't, the entity encoding gets a little tricky. Well, no, sometimes you'll see five great things to do with your home. Yeah. And then it'll go to the next headline and there's nothing more. It's really terrible. It's, and it could it could say on the bottom how to get rich in six easy steps and right above on the TV at that moment is a horrible tragedy unfolding in the news. Or just Fox going like, you know, yet again, Joe Biden. <laughs> and then right below it is just like New York City business. Like it'll be like some media thing. Like it'll do, you know, you're just, it's, it's terrible. It's off. What that is to me is we left it to the machines to do the content strategy mm-hmm. effectively. I find that I don't do a good job of explaining why you need it. I What I find myself doing is talking about the horrible, tragic consequences of not doing it. It's easier to get people, especially business people, to just appreciate the gap well, rather mm-hmm. than what should go in the gap. I yeah. mean, I've, I've been on a bunch of engagements along these lines. And what happens is people are really cheap when it comes to getting things like this done. It's also incredibly expensive sometimes. Yeah, that's the other part. It's they like, don't want to spend the money on this. They'll spend mm-hmm. the money on the stuff they don't understand. Well, content production is just, it's just a grid. You're just like, I'm, what? No. It is a slog. But, you know, content production is the tiniest sliver of the kinds of services you can offer to help a client. There are a lot of things, I think, if explained well, and a few case studies, a client can really see how it works for them. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... Content production, for me personally, is probably the part of content strategy I would like to deal with the least. Right. But that said, you got to get it done sometimes. Let me be the client in this engagement because I have an issue oh, with the words is, content uh, strategy. God bless you, Chapel. Oh, Good boy. luck. You're about to. You're about um, to just. Yeah, I wanted to I come regret, on this podcast. You said I regret so many things. <laughs> well, you're the client. Do you have any idea what you do? Yes. Okay. It's a serv- service called. Air CNC. Oh, okay. What does that let me do? It lets you rent CNC machines <laughs> so that I can make. It lets you let's rent, you rent CNC a- factory to yeah. play. A- Ooh, uh, everybody dance oh, now. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, you're losing the client. <laughs> yeah, you're losing the clients walking out. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. Jokes. Right. Tell the jokes to go to the waiting room. Yes, it's Airbnb for boats. You know, you need a new web something. You need a new, or maybe an app so people can, because people want to. I need wanna, engineers because people have to be able to list their boats. Sure. And rent the boats. You're coming to us. You're coming to Postlight. I'll be the sort of lead salesperson on this, you know, yep. sort of like, okay, well, yep. we're going to get you all that stuff. It'll be like Airbnb, but for boats. Absolutely 100% yep. love boats. I want to introduce you to Chapel. She leads up content strategy for us. And now 
I'm going to just go take a call out in the hallway. That's wow. good support. You're the, oh, you're the worst. I've been, I really, I would never do that, but boy, has that happened to I'm, me. I'm already it's, updating my resume. Yeah. Here's not Paul. a company I want to work at. Here's Paul. He's not that great, but he'll, I think he can be helpful to you. Bye. Here, yeah, let me, let me yeah. tee it up for you, Chuck. Okay. Spending a ton on SEO. So I've got people getting to the site. I, I need more people listing their boats. And they're not doing it. They're coming, they're, they're clicking around, they're spending about 40 seconds, and they're bailing. And I, mean, I don't know what I need to do One of the things you do when you have a boat, you have to bail. So this is interesting, because I'm not going to start with content strategy. Okay. Which might sound strange, but there is a huge importance when we hear things like this to really understand why people are dropping out. And until we know that, we can't make a better recommendation for you. So what we need to do first is a little bit of user research. And the fact is, if you put a little bit of time and investment in the upfront, maybe a couple weeks, we can hear why mm. users are dropping out. Mm -hmm. And it will save you money and time in the long run because we can start to identify the problem and then we can find ways to address and mitigate it very quickly. Mm. Pause the scenario. I mean, I, I, what I'm hearing here is that is content strategy like one of the tools that's going to solve my problem? I mean, if I'm yes. a business user listening to this podcast, is that one of the things that could be, because I'm assuming I got to hire more engineers. So no matter your discipline, if you're a senior practitioner who've been, and you've been doing this a while, you have to have research. You just have to, because I don't want to waste your time making recommendations that are built off of assumptions. Now, mm -hmm. I have been doing this a while, so I have some very good inclinations of why some drop-off can be happening in your experience, but I need to look at your website, understand the design flow, and then I need to talk to actual real humans who have tried to use it and figure out what's going on. Once we figure that out, I can actually figure out, okay, if it is that the folks who visit this site, uh, they get to the point where they... They get stuck and they're like, well, I couldn't find any help information on your site. So I just closed the tab. Well, then I might be able to propose, hey, we can just do a quick help guide for you. For listing my boat. For listing a boat or some, we just take that user flow and add in a little contextual help copy mm -hmm. in every place the user's getting stuck. Mm -hmm. And it's something that can be done actually relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. And that's more of an acute uh, mm -hmm. issue that we can address quickly, mm -hmm. but there might need to be some longer term help content or mm -hmm. FAQ things that have to happen. And there might be some longer term user kind of journey fixes that have to happen. Yeah. But that's such a typical problem I hear all the time. Yeah. And you actually can take a little squat in and in, in a month actually fix a pretty cute problem, though it, it might be a Band-Aid for yeah. a, a bigger issue. And that's what you hope to sit with the client yeah. and say, let's talk about the bigger thing. Yeah. What I'm hearing here is a product thinker sure. who is thinking about, okay, well, it turns out, you know, I hate to tell you, but it's taken four seconds between clicks for the next thing to happen. And you've got an engineering challenge because your people are bailing because they're getting frustrated. But mm -hmm. it could also be what you just described. We're working on a project internally at Postlight, top secret project. Mm -hmm. And I've been effectively the product lead on it. You've and been effective the, as the product lead. I appreciate that, yeah, Paul. No, Thank good. you. And one of the things I gravitated to and started obsessing over was onboarding. Yes. Which is less technical 
kind of confused the engineers and the designers on the project. Well, no one's excited when the product is under development and you're talking about the features and so on. And you're like, but the one one thing we got to work out here is how the tooltips are going to go for the first five minutes. And onboarding is it? I found a divisive term in the tech world. Some people love the term, some people don't. And it means different things to different people. There's also an ethos that you should just be able to drop right in MediaStress into the app and you should know exactly what to do at all times. It's a toughie. Yeah. Before we go on, there's a thing that didn't happen in that conversation, which I think is, it's really interesting in a client service context because people come to us, sometimes they come to us kind of wanting a little excitement and drama. And you came and you said, this is the right thing. This is what we do with our clients, which is just like, Let's just take a look around here first. Let's like, don't rebuild the house until we've checked the windows. And then there's, you know, but I think when people hear content strategy, they hear Airbnb magazine, the magazine for Airbnbs. Well, that is, I would look at that more as editorial strategy. And that's what content strategy is. I would say a very large spectrum. And on one side of the spectrum is editorial. And on the other side is technical. Right. If you, the Airbnb for boats said, we want a magazine. I would want a content strategist who's on that editorial side of the spectrum. But if you are uh, Amazon, some large retailer, and you're like, we need to recategorize all of our products, I'm going to say you need more of a technical content strategist who can understand taxonomy and site architecture on mm. a deeper level. Where, so these do you, are actually, where do you sit? So I call myself... I am cursed forever to be a generalist. Yeah, me too. I got because I mean, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll make you the magazine. Wanna, this is, yeah. Isn't that a problem here? Uh, isn't that a, one of the challenges with content strategy and, and yes. advocating for it? Is it's, I mean, that is a you, hell of a spectrum. You have a couple things Massive. going on. You have yeah. everybody trying to define the the discipline. Yeah. Then you have it being kind of like it falls into two kinds of budget. Either the budget where it's like, why didn't we already do this years ago? This is annoying, or the like. Oh, God, Sally really thinks this is the thing we have to do. So I guess we have to do that magazine. And then you have also the problem of content strategies defined so differently at every place you go. I have friends who are content strategists at Google who do things that I would never do and vice versa. Like kill a man. Like kill a man. Yeah. And they call themselves content strategists? They do. And, you know, at content strategists at Google, the the ones I know, I would probably refer to them more as either a content marketer content marketing strategists, they tend to be kind of writing and managing a longer form projects um, Mm. because how it's been historically at Google, content strategists only work out of product. Okay. And only UX writers work in product. And didn't Facebook roll up content strategy into design? They call it content design. Right. Okay. This is, this is part of the problem. No no one knows what to do with this. Well, here here's what I, I mean, to Does me. It, look, design has its own problems, figuring out what it actually is. I mean, that's the context. eternal conversation. That's the right? eternal conversation. I fear that content strategy is going through a similar. The good, of, the good news is it always has been and always will, as far as I can tell. Does it tell. belong inside design? No. In fact, I'm kind of against that because that's part of the value I think a content strategist brings to a project. A product designer, they can think. We think very similarly. We think in systems. But a product designer is biased towards a visual outcome in a way a content strategist never will be. So in essence, I feel I can maintain I'm not going to say non-biased, but I'm much less biased towards that final visual outcome. And so that lets me do the thing I really want to do that I feel morally obligated to do, which is to essentially be a litigator 
on behalf of the user. Mm -hmm. And that's often what content strategists are doing. I don't care what the visual outcome looks like. I can tell you when I think it's beautiful. I have opinions on that. Mm. But I see when I look at the beautiful designs here at Postlight that product designers can make in their sleep, I can tell they are beautiful. But when I look at them, I'm just seeing the back end. Sure. I'm seeing how does the person who has to use this every day, how so will it they affect they got to put them? stuff in those boxes. Yeah. Right. And I'm also seeing from a user's eyes, how is this going to affect them every day? There's a different level of priority for applying sort of really strict content thinking to different kinds of engagements, right? So like there's a lot of stuff where it's, it can be additive. We'll help you with the navigation. So, and then I think about a website post, I had nothing to do with this website, but like the Mayo clinics website, Mm -hmm. which is we have a rule in my family that you're not allowed to go to any other medical website, but the Mayo clinics website, because otherwise you'll end up on a forum deciding that you you don't want to go to (laughs) malaise.webmd.com. Yeah. You're you're suddenly like, ah, I guess I have, you know, throat media or something. I just like, it's horrible. And so, but you know, Mayo, it's bulletless and it is structured and you, you know, there's actually a, a content structure and hierarchy there that I've internalized over I don't know, five, 10 years looking at it. And that has the same function as design. Like I know yes. how that's going to work and feel and I know how to get into it. But it, it they is, are siblings though, aren't they? I mean, you're still, I mean, a good designer will always tell you, I'm going to think about how the user's experience, how their interactions are going to be. And they better. Like it, that's why we're here, right? Design cannot go as deep easily, right? So like if I have a taxonomy with 25 layers that has millions of different nodes in it, yeah. I can organize... Define taxonomy for the audience. Sure. So parent-child relationships. Like I have a... <laughs> what's a good subject? Whales. You know, mm. I have a website about whales and under that are the different... You know, maybe I organize them by oceans. Maybe I mm. organize them mm. by the kinds of whales they are or mm. length or whatever. By how cute they are. Exactly. And maybe I have a good search tool that lets me facet and explore whales by cuteness. Some are mm-hmm. very cute. Some are not cute at all. Some mm-hmm. whales are just freaking ugly. And so like, I want to be able to get in there and figure. So I'm doing some content strategy. I've inventoried and analyzed all the whales I've got and the existing whale content. I've started to put it together. Now I'm going to organize it in the database such a way that I can explore actually through that taxonomy before I even read about the whales. Because it's this and also is like when I'm searching, when I'm buying shoes, like the same thing. Yeah. Right. And it's not to say product designers, again, I've known so many who are very skilled at handling content. It, they have to be. Right. We all have to understand oh, each other's realms Post-Light in some is way. A serious type hierarchy shop. I mean, it's it's people are, are yeah. just, you know, double down here. Right. But it's again allowing someone the room to truly dive deep in their practice. Yep. So, like you said, if I were designing a taxonomy for whales, it's going to be so multi-layered and multi-nuanced because that's my product. That's what I create. Whereas a designer, part of their brain is naturally going to be thinking if they're working on a taxonomy, it'll be like, how's this going to manifest visually? And it makes it so that the deep thinking might not go quite as deep because they have another responsibility. They have a burden of that visualization. Well, you know, the thing I would say is that when you're working with text and narrative and you're searching through lots of it, and it could be pharma websites, lists of whales, shoes, whatever, Mm -hmm. There's a combinatorial explosion of options that emerges very, very quickly. If I give you three different ways to facet something, I'll give you millions of responses if you're if you're not careful, right? And I feel that that is not a problem design can actually solve. It can create an interface that helps you get to that information. 
but how it gets structured, what metadata gets added to the data, how that's all going to interact really happens at like symbolic and word level. Well, that's the thing. I also, I don't want them to have to solve that. That's, no, no, it'd be that terrible. It's, Design, it's, you'd have them designing 8 billion, you'd have to, everybody would have to do the noun project for every project. Right. It's such a burden. Just like I shouldn't be solving, you know, exactly what the hex code is for, you know, like I shouldn't have to do that work either. Right. These are just different realms, but I will say that like I did go to school for design. I have that background mm. and I wanted to be a designer. I am not a visual designer, but I have found that the processes and approaches are strikingly similar, mm. especially now that it's product design, graphic design, different world product design, though, it is about creating systems in order. And that is just what I do that as a content is, That strategist. is a good point. Product design and content strategy, the overlap is far more significant than sort of more classic visual design. Oh, yeah. God, it's so hard with all these because it's like editorial design versus content or editorial strategy versus content strategy. Isn't that versus- frustrating? <laughs> there are probably people listening to this podcast who don't know it. And they're like, shit, this is me. And well, I'm a, lot, a product a lot of manager. People, and also a lot of people would like to get out of the media industry right now because yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's so on fire. So let's talk about that journey and what your experience was and, you know, what we can share with others in terms of, you know, deciding, hey, I'm shifting careers and I'm going to focus on becoming a world-class content strategist. You are correct. You cannot go to school for this. There are many things you can't go to school for in our industry, but Mm -hmm. definitely not this. There Mm -hmm. might be a few informal classes. Mm -hmm. And the only reason content strategy for now will continue to be a discipline is through the generosity of mentorship, honestly, which... I would encourage anyone who is perhaps listening to this thinking, I've always, I think I have the skills to be a content strategist. I don't know where to start. I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn, find me on Twitter, reach out, and I can at least maybe help you get on the road, give you a few books, get you started on the path, because we've got to continue to expand and fan the flames of this thing and diversify it. Because truly, if that's the only way the internet continues to be for everyone as if it's built by everyone, right? Mm -hmm. So in terms of how I got here, I did start in design and that did give me a kind of a leg up into this world. But I was in design, I went to design school right at that like Y2K time when it's like Photoshop 3 and the teachers were like- drop shadows. Yeah, and the teachers were like, well, we we should probably learn to use these computer things, but I don't, let's just go measure type with PICA rulers. You kids are so great. Yeah. Yeah, and so- (laughs) I did not have this notion that I would go into what was called web design at the time. But eventually I I started working in design writing and communication. And I wound up working at Etsy. This was before they were a public company a Mm -hmm. while back. It was like 60 employees, you know. And I got to help with, uh, I worked a part of their editorial group. I got to help with, they stood up this whole publishing kind of, experience for all of their wedding content and their wedding products. Mm-hmm. And so I talk got to talk s- about an org where editorial actually really makes a difference. It does. Yeah. It contextualizes. People want to read and connect to the things that are sold on. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah for sure. the, the, the woodworker It's very, it's a very yeah. romantic view. And it's, and it's, it's important. It's about craftspeople doing their craft. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's and, part of what you're buying. And it was, you know, it was good that they hired writers. And so I got to sit with their product team and actually 
watch something be made because they needed my input as a content author. Mm-hmm. And it was that that turned the light on in my head where I was like, what if I started to work on making these, helping make these things so mm-hmm. that writers could publish? And that's where I started to flip kind of my head into going from writing and media and journalism into this kind of strategy world. Rather than fill in the box, I will figure out what the box should be. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so you didn't apply new role opening, job opening, content strategist at Etsy. You just sort of drifted over there and said, hey, I can help you make the machine, not just. Yes, I started right. I, you know, I was started there as an editor and it went from there. And then there tends to be more demand for that than there is for the writers though, right? So like, that's actually a sensible mm-hmm. career move to go over there and introduce yourself and say, I'd like to help because if they, they needed you, I'm guessing. It's actually fantastic. And I would say if you are, there's so many great media companies, if you are a writer and editor and there's a product team, try knocking on a door and just You'll listening. be amazed they've never, I've introduced many product teams to the writers and they've never, they've never met one before. And those are your constituents, truly. I know. That's a, this is a big post light thing, which is, especially if we're doing any kind of content oriented platform, like you got to sit with the people who are using it. Yeah. And edit, we have gotten so good at building editorial platforms that we make a lot of assumptions. Yeah. No, no, no. And and that's where you have to step back and say, you have to pretend not like it's the first time you're ever making an editorial platform, but check yourself. There's a reason even beyond that, which is like, Rachel attest to this, right? Like unless they buy in and start using it, you won't get it to make its way through the organization. Because yes. editors are not like excited adopters. They're yeah. not like, oh my God, thank so they, they tend to hold on to whatever crappy process they got used to. That's and right. Once you master it, it's to learn another one, you're burned. You, you know, you yeah. have trauma and to yeah, learn yeah. another, another <laughs> publishing true. platform is a nightmare. I've been that person. And that's right. part of why I think Don't I'm a better content strategist. Thing away. Absolutely. Yep. After Etsy, I worked in the government as a digital strategist was my next step. I got strategy in the title. And, you know, I was working on Team Site, a version that was oh, from that's a bad 2003 platform. or something. And it yeah. was a true nightmare. Yeah, but it's not good. You create this emotional like relationship with your CMS. You're good at it. You know how to get those pages out. And then they're like, well, and we got you a new one. And you're like, I don't want it. Yeah. And so if you are in editorial and you really want to make this pivot, which Mm -hmm. is a lot of people. And in fact, hiring content strategists is really difficult right now. If you want to hire anyone technical, right? I do really actually worry that that is the side of content strategy that is, becoming more rare, maybe extinct. And for a lot of reasons, that's probably a whole other podcast episode, but I see that floundering a bit and it's the editorial side that's exploding. And a lot of that is because a lot of people are leaving media because it's a difficult environment and they want to move into content strategy. However, just because you've been in publishing for a while, it doesn't mean you're ready yet for what a content strategy strategist can offer. So for those folks, I would recommend starting to look for books about systems and understanding systems and systems design. That tends to be the place where they have the biggest gap. Cause I know I was there as a, you know, an editorial, you know how to make a brief and how to write it and edit it. And you know how to produce content. 
Well, you get your thing done and then you go on to the exact same thing again. Yes. Yeah. But it's the powers of 10 situation where you're, you've gone a few levels up. Mm-hmm. To be a content strategist, you got to go all the way to the top. Yep, yep, yep. And you have to be able to see the entire system, every part in it, understand where it works, where it's broken, and how you can address and fix it. What kind of system, right? Are we talking about like systems thinking? Yes, systems okay. thinking. And anything about systems, even reading a book about the incarceration system in America will make you better at your job at building systems for people. Because that's what we're doing. That's a product, everything is, we make. That is a hell of a recommend. So if you want to understand, <laughs> if you want to understand how to build a website, the yeah. best thing to do is understand our Look, that's, terrible mass incarceration system in America. It's heady. What I mean is it increases your, your empathic awareness of others who enter a system, and it helps you understand that almost all systems are built with bias, and they have flaws because humans are flawed. And- Systems are built with an intent. So, I mean, look, okay, so you really mean it. People should get in touch. I do. All right, how should they get in touch? Cell phone number? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, so, LinkedIn? I mean, myself, my name is Chapel Ellison, and mm-hmm. you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. Just don't read anything I say there. Your tweets are pretty good. They're all right. You're on Twitch, right. too. I am on Twitch. I, are we allowed to talk about that? You, you can. I do sometimes stream games live, which is, is steadily fun. on the weekends. Chapel streams retro games. Yeah, I do, and uh, and that's fun. I do that occasionally on on the weekends, and it's. Oh, we should also point out you are wearing today a dress you made yourself <laughs> out of children's bedsheets. Children's bedsheets. What? Uh, there are vehicles in the dress. What are the vehicles? It's it's a blue blueprint of Star Wars vehicles. Amazing. It is really yeah, good because it nice. just sort of it's nice and abstract, and then it's you know, and then it hits you. Then it hits you, and you're like, "That's a star destroyer right there." It sure is, and yeah. it's it's amazing the conversations you have with absolute strangers when you wear a Star Wars dress. Yeah, <laughs> that's a high stakes game, but you're playing it, uh, Paul. Second fun fact: Chapel hmm. is our 100th employee. At wow, Postlight. it feels just yes. like yesterday. Postlight. What does Postlight? Do? Well, we're not going to do this again. No, let's go do it to again. Postlight.com. We'll do, re- we'll do it real quick. We, you have big goals to make things matter for your business that are digital, and we are going to just help you get there. If you're big org, if you're small org, if you're not for profit, there's a piece of work we did that everybody should go check out. Probablefutures.org. Nice piece of work that we just released. People the case should go study take a look. is up, and oh, yeah. probablefutures.org. Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, it's beautiful. That's it's right. Very so beautiful. Just that's a good example of the kind of work we can do. Storytelling with good tech, good deep hood. technology yeah. mapping, geo, very, very cool. We've got, we're going to be talking more about that kind of work. So, and we have a lot of content strategy skill, and actually quite a bit of content strategy uh, experience in the organization. So, yeah. about to get better. It's about thank God, finally, yeah, finally, <laughs> put in the high gear. Yeah, that's right. It's the it's that hundredth that tilts it over. Right? <laughs> Your scopes are now going to be like, oh, we'll do this and that, and then it's just going to be two pages on content. That's right. <laughs> finally, finally. <laughs> uh, check us out at postlight.com. Reach out at hello at postlight.com. Give us five stars wherever there are stars. Anywhere. That's Anywhere. right. Anywhere. All right, uh, Rich. Chapel, thank you. Thank you. It was Thanks, a pleasure. Chapel. Okay, we'll come back home. We'll talk about more stuff. Cool. Okay. Have a lovely week, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye.